0: This is episode 75 of Bella in Your Business.
1: Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump!
0: Welcome to Bella in Your Business. My name is Bella Vasto your host today, and today I've got something pretty interesting for you. My guest today is talking about disruption in the marketplace. I met him and holy cow, Like there's certain times in life where you meet people and they say, oh, I do marketing, and you go check out their website. And it's like, yeah, you do marketing, whatever. You look like every other marketer. But Aaron says he does this thing called disruption. And I really wanted him on today because I really feel like Pet sitters could be disruptive if they just We're inspired. So I hope over the next 20-25 minutes we get to inspire you to be disruptive in your own thing. So without further ado, Aaron, what is up, my friends? What is up, Bella? Thank you so
1: much for having me on.
0: Absolutely. You guys, I want you to know that Aaron isn't just like some rinky dink business owner. He is a best-selling author, a digital strategy director and founder at Vitals Agency, an international branding consultant. I know you were just in Australia playing with Legos, which we're totally gonna get into later. And you're just an all-around awesome dude. Like, I mean, you're also a Lego champion when you were younger, I heard.
1: Yo-yo. Yo-yo. Sorry. Yes. I was 11th in the world at playing with a yo-yo when I was uh, (laughs) 15 years old.
0: That is incredible. So talk to me about more recently, you know, how you started Vitals Agency, which the website itself is disruptive. It's vitals.agency. People are like, you mean .com or uh, uh, I bet you get that all the time, right?
1: Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, those extensions now are becoming those new extensions, meaning the .agencies or clubs or .io are becoming a part of what the brand identity is. So we just rolled with that. We wanted something short and simple to remember. So yeah, we landed on that.
0: I love it. I love it. So on your website, there's a quote from you. It says, worry less about the impressions your brand will get and worry more about the impression it will leave. How did this passion for leaving impressions and being disruptive kind of come about with you? How were you able to transform? I want to help people with their branding or their marketing into such a strong, powerful message that really resonates.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that what ended up happening was that, you know, I started, this isn't my first agency. This is technically my third agency I've built and sold another I had a consultancy and then how I started vitals agency which is one of your questions was I realized very quickly what my strengths were as an entrepreneur And what my weaknesses were. And I believe that to be really successful, it's not so much diverting and subbing out, but it's really managing your weaknesses and finding other people that can lift you up in areas where it may be difficult for you to thrive. So I knew my weaknesses after my first go around at the agency that I had built. We had 30 employees you know, a 10,000 square foot studio on Central Avenue, a massive overhead. It was not the type of business that I actually was anticipating that I was creating. I didn't know what I was creating, but when I decided to kind of merge these relationships and it wasn't just me, it was a collective decision between my two other partners, Mauricio and Aiden. I mean, I say founder, but i am we're kind of all co-founders. We all did this at the same time. The focus was to create a company where The three of us collectively are way more powerful than we are individually, and that's what we've done. And this idea of being very, I would say, customer-centric, so worry less about the impressions you're going to get – worry more about the impression that it leaves. That to me is just like a fundamental belief in branding. Um, So many people are worried about the vanity metrics of how many clicks and visits to my website am I going to get and so on and so forth. I would rather have one really solid brand ambassador or advocate out there who's advocating for us and being a voice for us and our brand and our culture and what we do than, you know, a hundred impressions on a Facebook ad. To me, relationships are the key to building successful businesses And I've built other businesses that are not successful at all. Anything to do with marketing or advertising, both of the agencies that I had prior to Vitals were successful. But I've also tried other things that just didn't really go that well. And I think that a lot of it's just knowing yourself, you know, so if you have this kind of heightened sense of awareness of who you are, and you're awake to who you are, you just find other people that you can align with. And being a customer centric company is just something that we believe in. So I always say, you know, we care more about your business and your feelings. We are not a yes agency. We are the agency that will advocate for your customer because at the end of the day, our job is to help our clients, our brands, align themselves with their customer in the most meaningful way possible. And sometimes that requires a deflation of ego from the business owner. They need to be open to ideas. We have to be Proactive in prescribing things to them that may be a little uncomfortable, and we can talk about engineered disruption and what that is because that's kind of a different part of our manifesto and what we believe. But ultimately, I think that at the end of the day, we're here to serve our customers, and we could be. There's another quote. This is by Lee Klow. He says, "You're the judge of your business, but the consumer is the jury and the executioner."
0: Yeah. So if the
1: consumer is not buying into your idea, then you failed. And as an agency we failed if we work with our client and we just say yes to everything. Oh, we need this. We need that. Yes, yes, yes. Please, Yeah, sure. Cool. We'll bill you for that. That is this old method of being an order taker as an agency. And we don't view ourselves as order takers. We view ourselves as problem solvers.
0: I want to slow you down right there. And I really want to go into that because I think that as business owners and the pet sitters and dog walkers and other small business owners that are listening right now, I think one of the problems that business owners have is we want to go hire an agency or someone to do it for us, but we don't really know what we want. And it could be as simple as just a logo. So we hire someone and they basically say, "Okay, what do you want? And they do. They take your order. And that's okay, but I think the business owner needs to understand, and this happens with websites, you have a designer and you have a developer, and they're two totally different mindsets and two totally different minds, and not everyone will do both of them for you. So what I hear you saying is that you're humbling the people that you work with, you're getting in their head, you're allowing them to kind of put their ego down a little bit. You're asking, this is something else I wanted to talk to you about too. You're asking a lot of questions as the service provider to the company. So I want our listeners to really think about when you're looking and you're banging your head against the wall and you're saying, I hate my designer. I hate my website person. I hate, I hate, I hate, right? Because I know there's so many of you out there thinking that. I want you to think about, are you picking the right people that you need? Do you actually acknowledge that you kind of need someone who doesn't just take an order? Because you're not on that mindset yet. If you were, you could probably do it yourself or maybe if you wanted to. Well, not really. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, let's talk about that difference of knowing what you want, because I think everyone lumps you guys all into the same thing. Oh, you're a branding person.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, well, I'll give you an example of how a conversation goes. And this is the thing that's different from most agencies and ours. So someone will call us or any other agency when they're trying to get a quote and say, hey, we need a website. Yeah. And, you know, the typical response is, well, would you like some fries with that? You know, you're order taking, right? Like, <laughs> so, so tell me, you know, tell me or more about the website. how much is your website?
0: Yeah, yeah. How much
1: do it cost? Here's an example of our portfolio and things like that. So the first thing that I do in a conversation like that is I try to shift the perspective to less about the thing that they want and more about the motivation right. and why they want it. So my question that I always rebuttal with is I know we can help you with that, but I'm curious, what primary business objectives are you trying to solve by having this thing built or having this thing designed? Because you want to get to the root of their motivation, right? And I think that if you're looking for a good designer, that designer should understand what is motivating you to want to hire them. What is their true pain point? I think good designers, good developers Here's the thing a lot of them, to be honest, are very introverted. They don't ask these types of questions, and that's okay. A lot of them are tacticians. Yeah. And I would consider myself part tactician, but also, you know, from a higher level, I want to know more about why. Why do you want this? Because if I can understand the motivation of what's driving that decision, as a creative person, it's my job, I feel, to prescribe other things to help them meet their business objectives. So the most important thing that an agency or even a creative can do, and they're not trained to do this. This is something that differentiates us from everybody else, yeah. from order taker to problem solver, is You really need to understand what is motivating people to want this thing because sometimes they just want to get from point A to point B and that could be a revenue goal. It could be a certain amount of leads that come in on their website or they want people to download their ebook, or they want vanity – like they want social media engagement. Who knows Mm -hmm. what they want? But there's a lot of ways to get from point A to point B. And my job is to look at all those different variances. And we spend a ridiculous amount of time in the intention phase. So you said, hey, you ask a lot of questions. That is our job. And the crazy thing about what we do, which also differentiates us from other people, is we charge for that discovery process. Mm -hmm. So we charge money just to ask the right questions because it would be fiscally irresponsible of me as a business owner to start prescribing things to our clients without having any context as to, what problems we're trying to solve and what their ultimate goals are.
0: It would be like walking into the doctor's office saying my foot hurts and the doctor doesn't see you and gives you a prescription that, you know, he doesn't know why your foot hurts. Exactly.
1: Yeah. They don't do that. So we absolutely spend a lot of time diagnosing before prescribing, hence the name Vitals Agency. We have companies that hire us just to figure out their vitals Mm -hmm. just to understand and do an audit of where you're currently at and help them create a roadmap of where to go. We don't need to do every creative executable. We don't need to do every logo and every website. To me, that is not solving the big problem. If I can provide clarity and alignment and give people kind of a vector in which to go in, it's going to save them so much time and money. That to me is more valuable than the manifestation of what we're actually creating.
0: I love that, Aaron. That's so powerful. And what I'm hearing also translates to the sales process as I'm thinking of these pet sitters who are often a lot more expensive than say Rover or the kid next door. And the whole ask questions, it is, it's part of your sales process, honestly, But through that, you show people that that's why you're that valuable. And that's how pet sitter can do it. Yeah, I can walk your dog. But let me ask you, why does your dog need to be walked? You know, we're talking about design and creative, but this also is sales in a way. And I think the more questions you ask, the more people are apt to want are drawn to you because they're like, whoa, dude, you really care about me. Like, You want to like really understand how you can really, truly help me.
1: Yeah. And that's it. I mean, if you can understand the motivation of why people are doing what they're doing, that's the first step in disruption. I mean, you, you kind of started with disruption and disruption has been this word that people throw around. It's kind of like a buzzword. starting
0: word. to be a buzzword. And yeah. we're
1: like, we don't want to be put into a box of like, oh, these guys talk about disruption like everybody else. But understanding what motivates people is yeah. one of the first steps in being able to create disruption in whatever industry that you're in. Yeah. So the idea is to, yeah, to shift the conversation in your customer's mind from being an order taker to more of a problem solver. And how can I help you solve your problem? How can I help you live your life better, have more time to spend with your family, whatever their motivation is? I, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't ever pretend to guess. I just ask them. and I dig deep.
0: I love it. I love it. I hope this is uh, resonating in our listeners mind to know that you can look for more out there when you're looking for your designer, your web developer, your creator, your advertiser. You know, it's not just order taking. I want you guys to really get that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about Legos because I'm really curious. I've never been a part of this, but I've seen this Lego thing. So we'll be right back. Are you concerned that accepting credit cards for your pet sitting business is too complicated or too expensive? Well, if you answered yes, I have good news. It's probably because you've not heard of Leaders Merchant Services. Trust me, Leaders Merchant Services makes accepting credit cards super easy and affordable for my business. They work with all kinds of businesses throughout the United States, and they have developed a special rate plan just for pet sitters like us. I know Leaders Merchant Services can help your business. I've even got a dedicated representative to speak to, and he's always happy to share valuable information. Working with Leaders Merchant Services is like having a friend or family member in the credit card processing business. If you want to know more or see how much they can save your business a month, go to jumpconsulting.net forward slash credit card. That's jumpconsulting.net forward slash credit card. So I can personally connect you with my specialist. And I'm back with Aaron Pearson from Vitals Agency today. And I want you to tell me all about this Lego thing and how this plays into your whole shebang.
1: Yeah, so we facilitate things like corporate workshops, strategy sessions. There's a handful of things that we do as an agency to help solve problems, to help people get real-time alignment and essentially provide clarity. And clarity is really valuable to large companies that have a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that they could do. So to have an outsider come in and facilitate a conversation to help them get clarity is really valuable to them. And what we've done is we've used Lego. Now I haven't, I didn't make this up. This is a thing. It's called Lego serious play. It was, it was trademarked, I believe in Denmark at the Lego corporate headquarters. It's called Lego serious Play. So If you Google Lego serious play, it's an actual thing. Lego sells kits for facilitating workshops and strategic sessions incredible the Lego methodology. (laughs) So let's talk about why Lego is such a powerful form of facilitation. So typically when we do a strategy meeting, a lot of our meetings are just done in a conference room. We've got a whiteboard, sticky notes. You know, everyone's writing on sticky notes. And we're putting things up on the board. And we're drawing out funnels and, you know, email sequences and all these things, right? The problem with this method of facilitation is that there's typically – only a few people in the room that are really kind of voicing their ideas. They're like the CEO and the CMO, right? And then everyone else who's kind of in the room, they're kind of quietly listening and like maybe interjecting when they can. Right. Yeah. So there's not hundred percent participation in the room. That's one of the first problems. Number two is that they're really only focusing on visual and auditory means of communication. They're looking at words and they're talking. As soon as you introduce an item like Lego or even clay or any sort of objects, you add this new form of communication, which is kinesthetic. So now you're able to take this thing that you build with Legos and you're able to explain very complex ideas just through the build itself. So the Lego guy is standing on a flat piece and this flat piece represents my department and these pieces over here represent this. And you're able to communicate these ideas much easier and a lot deeper because you have this model that you built to look at. So this does a few things. One is it opens up this more enhanced form of communication because they're looking at something. Number two, they're remembering it because now they're not only visually seeing it, auditorily talking about it, but kinesthetically feeling it. So it's something that people really remember and it just anchors into their thoughts. And I think the big thing is, is that You get 100% participation between all of the people that are participating because the way that Lego Series Play is designed is that a facilitator like me would present a build challenge, like build your role within the company. You use the minifigure and the pieces available, build what your role is, Uh and they would build it. And then – so – That's step two challenge presented, build, and then step three is you share your model with everyone in the group so everyone has a few minutes to share their experience. So and tell, just like a hundred percent. Yeah, so it's a hundred percent participation. Now, what I just did, and you mentioned Australia, it was technically New Zealand, hence the uh. But it's okay. It's right (laughs) off the corner of Australia. It's still a four. We do have listeners
0: in Australia right now. So shout out to you guys. Oh, (laughs) okay. And they'd be Uh, like, no, New Zealand is not us. So I do apologize.
1: (laughs) So what we, yeah, I know that is a thing too. They're like, oh, don't say we have a a New Zealand accent or an Australian accent. (laughs) This is actually the second time I went out there for a strategy-based session.
0: That's incredible.
1: What we did out there for them was we facilitated a franchise conference. There was about 75 different franchise owners out there. And we were doing a persona exercise where we were helping them identify their strengths and their weaknesses through this medium of Lego. And then we actually had this like kind of one page contract at the end of the exercise where they were checking off where they were exceptional and where they were mediocre. And then those, I call them franchise contracts. It's like a personal contract Uh that was presented back to the CEO. So the CEO now has very informative insights on where his franchise owners need to work. Where do they need to grow? Are they introverted or extroverted? Like how did they rate themselves Incredible in this setting? So this informs the CEO on how to train for 2018, what other types of speakers and people he needs to put in front of his franchise owners to set them up for success. Uh-huh. So we could have just gone in there and said, hey, what are you good at? And what are you not good at? Yeah. We wanted to go really deep with this. And not only that, we wanted the experience to be positive for the franchise owners. So instead of going in and saying, you're not good at this, <laughs> you need to work on that. Mm-hmm. This is the way for them to do their own self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And self-discovery is the key here, is that we are facilitating these conversations to happen internally. And then we are essentially synthesizing that for the CEO or the top level person to then create a better brand experience for his franchise owners. Because the brand isn't just externally from your customers. It's internally on your employees. I mean, there's so many aspects to what a brand is, so right? What
0: you're saying right now is so twofold because you are also creating that exact experience of your own brand coming yeah. in. And I mean, these people are never going to forget the day that that American came down here and had us play with Legos. And I got to like, they will never forget that, you know? And I just think it's so incredible because it's a universal lesson. It's like, what kind of experience are you creating with an intention to wow your customers? And it can be called disruptive. It could be called many things, but I think that's just, I I want you guys as you're driving, walking dogs, doing laundry, meal prepping, whatever you're doing right now, just like think about that and if you're liking this I want you to comment back so that Aaron knows that he's spending the past 25 minutes inspiring people <laughs> Aaron I could talk to you forever and ever and ever I love the order taking not order taking let's leave with this for these small companies just starting out we're talking to the people that are just starting up to a hundred thousand dollars a year they're just bootstrapping it themselves they're saying Aaron that's great I'm not exactly a client of your agency however, What would you give them as advice to try to find someone to work with that's going to help enhance their brand and not just take their order? What things could they look for? I can answer
1: that question, but I think there's another question that I could answer that may even be more beneficial for them. Go for it. Because hiring people, like you can always find tacticians, you'll always find someone who can design something. That to me is easy. It's finding someone who understands your why. So I think that if the people aren't asking you why, what's motivating, then it's your job to tell them why to explain to them what is motivating you. And if they don't receive that and design within those parameters with that as your inspiration, then they're probably not a good fit for you. So what I would say to anyone who's trying to grow their business, you you know, you're just starting out that person that you just described. There's a few things. And I want to talk about disruption too, because you started with that. And I really want to tell you what makes a company disruptive or what you can do to kind of disrupt yourself. And then also provide that information to your, designers and executors to be in alignment. I guess I did answer your question, but I want to say something. <laughs> I want to say something. Go for it. Mind.
0: You have the floor, my friend. That is, there's a few ways to disrupt.
1: So we've already talked a little bit about being customer centric and understanding the motivation and why. Number one is I would talk to your clients and I would create a persona or an avatar around what are the biggest pains that your customers are dealing with? What are they hoping to gain from working with you? And then what solutions do you provide in alignment with those two things? So this is a simple exercise, pains, gains, solutions. Okay. Identify that with maybe the top three customers that you have right now. This is going to inform you on what is motivating them So your designer needs to know what's motivating you. You need to know what's motivating your customers. Okay. That's number one. Number two is the most simple way to disrupt any industry is always modifying your pricing model. Pre-tip. I don't know what the model, I don't know about your industry. We'd have to do.
0: I'll give it to you in a couple sentences here. So there's the, I'm going to charge what everyone else charges and it's very low and you have to do a lot of volume and burn out. Or there's where you are a luxury service because people could go to the boarding facility or a daycare or something, but they choose to have a sleep in bed with their pets and you could charge a really lot. Like I come from the place, and the people that are listening to this podcast, majority of them believe in being the higher price, like the Nordstrom's, the Bentley type of service because right. it's really hard to do a whole volume based business, you know?
1: Yeah, so I'll just give you, and I don't know much about your industry, but I I will say there's a couple things I know about people who love their pets. Number one is that when they are out of town, and I just know this because my partner Aiden, we were just in Boston and New York at a conference. The person who was watching his animal kept sending him selfies, you know, with the cat. And he loved it. I mean, (laughs) those are, that's like something so simple and trivial. You could easily add in and be like, Hey, you know what? I'll send you pictures of your dog and I playing just so you know what I mean? Like things like that are those things that really make your customer feel really good. So I'm just going to throw that out. I know nothing about your industry, but I can just tell you, I've deduced that from my travels within the last week with another pet owner. So pricing model is one way to disrupt. The other thing I want you to really think about is how could you put your existing business model out of business? And this is what real engineered disruption is. And it's not an easy thing, but I would come up with three ways, if at all possible, on how to put yourself out of business. And this could be, I want you to think about how to innovate your current industry, how to maybe automate certain processes, obviously pricing models. Those are really the big things that will allow you to create disruption. And it doesn't happen. Like you won't be able to figure this out in one evening. This is going to take a lot of brainstorming and mind mapping and, you know, looking at other verticals that are similar to your industry and seeing how they've been disrupted recently. Right? I have an
0: idea right now for our listeners, Aaron. So one thing is that every pet sitter uses scheduling software, But none of them in their marketing or branding, and I keep telling them, they need to like highlight that, you know, they need to say that if you decide you want to go to Vegas this weekend, and it's Thursday night at one o'clock, you know, in the morning, you can go ahead and book online and sign up with us like completely automated, you know, you don't need to do that. And Too many pet sitters, they're not like highlighting that. That's a really easy thing to do. Even though everyone does it, no one talks about it. Another thing that I preach a lot is a lot of people exchange time for money, Erin. It's like, you know, $20 for 30 minutes. I took the industry, flipped it on the head and led the way of no time limit, guys. Because most people are actually already doing that. They're, if they stay 40, 45 minutes, they're not leaving an extra bill. So they actually already are not charging by time. But if we can put that mm-hmm. message out there that we're different, you know, it's automatically changing the way people are thinking about our company.
1: Yeah. And again, that could be a huge selling point for a potential customer. And, and I think that if you haven't sat down and profiled some of your top customers and really understood their pains, gains, and then the solutions that you provide in relationship to those – that's something I would do first,, yeah. like and that's a very simple exercise, a three column grid we do it all the time with every customer that we work with every client before we do anything, we're always trying to understand who their customers are and what motivates them. So the more information you have about them, the better you are going to position yourself to serve them and provide them with delight. And then the last thing I just, I'll kind of end with unless you have any other questions is this word delight. I think that delight is something that every brand should strive for. So how can you create delight within your customers? Because good branding is an affinity between the customer and you. Branding is branding. Even bad companies, bad brands are branding, right? Mm -hmm. What you don't want to be is right in the middle. So what I mean is that Good branding is when someone has a positive, strong emotional connection toward your company. Bad branding is when someone has a negative feeling or emotion towards your company because of experiences that they've had. The worst place to be is where people, they're not happy and they're not bad. And that is what we call noise on social media. That's noise. Noise is the people that just are out there just scooting by because they're not either convicted enough in their belief system I think that brands need to be convicted. They need to believe in something and they need to convey that to their audience. And the goal is to create delight. And if you can create delight and find ways to make people smile and have good experiences with your company, you are going to organically be able to grow just through creating really strong brand ambassadors.
0: And I have to say, if any of our listeners want to be delighted right now, I encourage you to go to vitals.agency because I was smiling and giddy like a little girl going through your website and watching your videos. It is absolutely so indicative of the past half hour that we've just spent together. And I want you guys to just go look at the website. Also on the website, Aaron has a book that you can get or two additional resources that are also pretty valuable on there. So I want you to check that out. Aaron, thank you so much for spending your time with us today on the show. I know that you've definitely given people a lot of nuggets. In fact, I think this is going to be one of those podcasts that people say, Bella, I listened to it twice because I didn't want to miss anything. You've been so valuable. Thank you for your time
1: absolutely thank you
0: for sure you guys if you liked this podcast and i know you did go ahead and like and subscribe to it don't forget to leave a review and share it with all your friends and at the very end always remember to keep jumping
1: thanks for jumping with bella in your business for more information free articles free coaching sessions and more go to jumpconsulting.net. and remember bella's got your shoot